Yes, thank you, Chair Riley. Good afternoon, Chair Riley and EDAC members. This meeting is being held pursuant to government code section 54953E and in light of the declared state of emergency, the regular meeting of the Economic Development Advisory Committee for November 7, 2022 will be conducted telephonically through Zoom and broadcast live on the city's website. Thank you and welcome. Thank you. Um, this is Chair Tom Riley. Um, and I apologize. Um, may I have your name? Molly, Molly Perry, Interim City Clerk. Molly, thank you so much for your help today. I was assuming you were Molly. I just haven't met you in person. Um, so thanks for joining us and thanks for your help setting up this meeting. Um, we should start with a roll call. Molly, can you help with the roll call? Absolutely. Member LaLang. Absent. Member DeRay. He's here. Here, okay. Member Stott. Is Member Stott here? No, she's not here. Member Thorberg, Thomberg, excuse me. He will be late to the meeting. Okay. Member Morgan. He no, he's, here. he's here. Thank you. Member Finnegan? Here. Member Degelow? Here. Secretary Ancona? Vice Chair Green? Yeah, I'm here. Well, Chair I saw Riley. Teresa. She's, she's muted, but she's yeah, here. Teresa and I thought I saw her. Thank you. Uh, Chair Riley's here and also um, Member Gallagher. Um, so Chris Gallagher. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. That was Teresa. So noted. Thank you. Yes, we have uh, eight members of the committee, and we expect um, Scott Thornburg to join uh, midway through the meeting. He's. I, I believe like Scott in. just joined. Yeah, I I just settled in. Sorry, guys. Scott has joined. Okay. Um, we have uh, we're kicking off this meeting with just some really exciting news. Um, that's very relevant to the Economic Development Advisory Committee. And that is item 1A, which is a special announcement that our fabulous city manager, Mr. Chris Zapata, we cannot unmute. That's a note from Malcolm. Okay, uh, Molly, um, all the members are unable to uh, unmute themselves. So if you can do that, uh, at the same time, we'll go on with item 1A. And, um, uh, Mr. Zapata, our city manager, our fabulous city manager, who um, was the best dressed man in the city, now has competition, and um, he has an introduction to make. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Julie, you have your hand raised. Tom, um, Teresa has been trying to get through. Um, she says that she's having connectivity issues, so she's going to be late. Thank you. I was I was muted, so I couldn't let anybody know. Thank you. Hear me? Yes. yes. Great. Yeah. yeah, thank you. We'll work through all of these uh, kinks and bugs. And for those of you that don't know, um, Molly Perry is our interim city clerk. Uh, is filling our space until we can hire somebody. She comes to us from the city of Irvine, where she was uh, an outstanding city clerk for many years. And we're lucky to have her in Sausalito to help us during this critical time in Sausalito when there are things like elections going on. 
which are happening tomorrow. So uh, on behalf of our organization, I want to introduce Molly to uh, the EDAC committee. Uh, I also want to take a moment to uh, thank you all for your work and to speak to uh, some of the things that really matter in Sausalito. And, you know, again, um, the idea that a city and a community uh, works through its uh, people that live in the city, people that visit the city, and people that own and invest in the city is extremely important. And so in Sausalito's case, uh, I found it a little odd that, uh, you know, we were um, focused in our organization with uh, what I call uh, essential planning and building uh, and code enforcement functions, but we weren't really um, seeing a whole lot of uh, application to the business retention, attraction, and uh, effort that helps create revenue that allows us to provide services to our residents, to our businesses, to our visitors. So trying to remedy that, uh, we went out and we did a full-on recruitment and um, we found a, a person that really, I believe, is the right fit for our city after a couple of attempts, but is the right fit for our city uh, because along with uh, his education and experience and the fact that he's from the Bay Area and worked in a Bay Area city in an economic development capacity, I think he brings a lot of horsepower to uh, our team and certainly to this group. So with that, uh, I will say no more. I introduce Brandon Phipps, our new community and economic development director, and let him say a few words about himself and uh, he'll be part of the team going forward. Thanks very much, Chris. Really appreciate the warm welcome and the kind introduction. Um, always happy when when you give me an intro because you make me look good, uh, and, and I very much appreciate that. <laughs> and good afternoon to Chair Riley and uh, committee members, other attendees at this afternoon's meeting. Really happy to be present uh, for this meeting of the Economic Development Advisory Committee, and very happy to be serving the city as the recently appointed director of the community and economic development. Good, yeah, it goes without saying, I'm very pleased to be joining the Sausalito team. Uh, really looking forward to working with you all in pursuing economic development related opportunities within the city, uh, addressing some of the needs of the committee and administering and implementing policy direction from relevant stakeholders, including this committee uh, and our business community. Yeah, a little bit about me. Uh, I am a Bay Area guy, originally from Berkeley, and I've enjoyed Sausalito's waterfront and sense of unique place since I was a kid. Uh, I've got degrees at the undergraduate and graduate level in public policy, philosophy, and local economic development. And I've worked in the nonprofit, private, and public sector, uh, all of which I believe will assist me in best carrying out my role here in the community development department. So I communicated this to most folks who I have connected with so far. Um, it's communicated at the most recent council meeting planning commission meeting and historic preservation commission meeting. Uh, I'll say it again here. I believe in collaboration and to that end committee members, I am available and willing to meet with you to hear your ideas, uh, to get a better sense of what you've been focusing on while sitting on the EDAC committee. And uh, yeah, to hear your opinions as to you know where, where the city ought to be looking uh, as far as economic development efforts are concerned. And it was a pleasure to meet with Chair Riley earlier today. He, uh, he was a great help in getting me up to speed on uh, some of the items that the committee has uh, discussed in the past and some of what's on their radar. So yeah, I think you know 
during that meeting, nothing, nothing particular, but I want to introduce myself and learn a little bit about each of your roles as committee members, um, some of the challenges and opportunities you see as most significant in the city today. And uh, that will also be invaluable to me as I get settled over here. So as a quick update, it's been three weeks in the position so far, and we're already making some strides in CDD to improve our departmental capacities, including an active solicitation of current planning staff for the roles of principal planner and associate planner. Um, our most recent update, which I'm happy to share, is that we've welcomed new principal planner to our team. Her name is Kristen Tisch, and that was Wednesday of last week. We really look forward to working with her to assist in reducing some of our outstanding uh, planning project permit lists. And we, uh, we've already made that request to her, so she's gonna be a great help. Uh, once we fill those positions um, with Kristen as one of them, we'll be in a much better place to address some of the challenges the community department, community development department is facing, in addition to growing some new elements of the department, including working with you guys and the, um, the Chamber of Commerce to build a strong foundation for economic development in the city. And once again, thanks very much for having me. Thanks for the warm welcome. Really look forward to working with you all. Happy to be here. Brandon, uh, welcome to uh, Sausalito. It's great to have you on board. And uh, I think you have a lot of work ahead of you, but uh, you've got a great background and uh, you have our support as a committee to help you uh, be successful. You're successful, we're successful. And I do like that you're giving our city manager a run for the money on Gene Hiller menswear. Hopefully you all do your shopping there. <laughs> Okay, um, any questions for Brandon from the committee members? All right, um, I know a few of you have reached out to him and uh, he's very open to meeting and learning uh, about things. I know that John, you wanna introduce him to the friendship. Monica has reached out, uh, others Julie has. So um, I think uh, the more we get to know Brandon and the more he gets to know us, uh, the more effective we can be together in supporting his mission. All right, we'll move on to item. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Molly, can you make sure that everyone, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Zapata, you have a comment. Yeah, I do, Chair Riley and members of the committee. Uh, one of the things that I thought should be really made clear is some of the things that this committee has advocated for, uh, Brandon is working on and will work on. And that involves our permitting and application process and the backlog that exists and doing things like that. So in terms of you know, immersing himself in the community, you can see he's doing that, has done that. And I really wanna take the opportunity to thank Julie for hosting a mixer in which the business community got to meet Brandon. That was really well done and, and much appreciated. But Brandon's got a lot on his plate, including our housing elements implementation, uh, obviously filling key staff roles so we can get the team up to full on speed. And then at the same time, you know, working on this uh, eternal backlog that you have identified and some process improvements that we can use to help residents and people that are trying to invest in our city, whether it's private homes or businesses, uh, have a more streamlined approach. So, so Brandon's a great addition. He didn't tell you about his educational background, but, but I will. Uh, He's a Trojan, the Southern California Trojans. <laughs> Pac-12 still matters, but um, he comes to us from, uh, you know, Berkeley and that part of the world, but he's worked extensively throughout the state. And Daily City was his last uh, working 
uh, and you know, I'm sure they're sorry to see him go, but we're happy to have him here today. But wanted to make sure that was all added to the equation and certainly to thank Julie for her help in uh, welcoming Brandon to the business community. And even though the Trojans beat the Cal Bears this weekend, Brandon is conflicted. So he's got to root for both teams. Um, all right, uh, we're gonna move on to item two for public comment for items that are not on the agenda. Molly, can you help me track if any of the public raise their hands? Yes, Chair. Video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application and you will be called upon when it is your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press star nine. Each speaker will be notified when the time has elapsed. Thank you, Chair. We now have, we do have a um, request to speak, Mr. Van Meter. Uh, thank you, can you hear me? Yes. All right, this is definitely an item that is not on the agenda, but it's very uh, seldom that we hear of a member of the public who's willing to jump from giving heat and advice to actually residing within the frying pan. And I see that uh, Kevin Carroll is on the line today. I just wanted to wish him uh, the best of luck in getting his seat on Larkspur City Council. I think we all agree with you, Peter. Thank you. Molly, can we move uh, to um, Julie Vera has her hand up. Are you doing public comment, Julie? Okay. Um, actually, I want to let Kevin, let you guys know that Kevin Carroll is the one that brought this to my attention. But the Board of Supervisors uh, have proposed that we get rid of the Mirror Wood shuttle um, here in Sausalito, which means that our visitors here will not have any way to get to Mirror Woods. The chamber is working on something, and I just sent um, an email to both Brendan and, and um, our city manager, but that is one of the most asked questions at the visitor center is how to get to Mirror Woods. Um, they had it this summer, they sporadically, um, then they cut it down to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then they cut it down to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then it it hasn't been reliable. And if the county is going to get rid of that service, we really need to be taking a look at how we get our visitors to Mirror Woods and how we um, supply that service for them to keep them in Sausalito. We don't want them to be going other places to catch a bus or catch something and then they go and spend their money in whatever town they can get a shuttle to to Sausalito or to Mirror Woods. So I think that's something that needs to be on EDAC's um, radar and it's on the chamber's radar. And so we are working on a on a plan, but that's something we really need to take into consideration going forward. Yes, and I, I actually um I'll come on that as well, Julie, and then maybe Kevin has something to say. Um, I think that's why. Yeah. In looking at the report, though, mm -hmm. um, there this past summer there was some ten thousand eight hundred folks that used the Sausalito shuttle, mm -hmm. of which seventy somewhat percent were from San Francisco. 
which one can conclude that they took the ferry over from San Francisco to get to Muir Woods and therefore coming through our town. Yes. The proposal is to move the, the shuttle that goes out of North Sausalito to Larkspur Landing. And therefore all those San Franciscans will take the ferry to Larkspur mm -hmm. um, to get on the shuttle to Muir Woods. So it, it can have a real impact on us. Um, Kevin, we probably stole your thunder, but uh, we'd love to hear from you, Kevin. Molly, can you make sure Kevin is unmuted? Kevin Carroll. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair Riley and committee. Um, yeah, the issue is um, a lot of this concerns the weekday service. Um, they're only, they only ran it during the summertime. And it's really perplexing because uh, there's a shortage of drivers and having two routes, one from Larkspur and one from Sausalito, dilutes the number of drivers. And obviously more people could be served going to Muir Woods if both the quote free parking or not um, was at Pajono as opposed to Larkspur. Um, so the point being more people could be served going to Muir Woods serving out of solely Sausalito rather than splitting it between the two. And that's my main objection. Uh, thanks for the kind words about tomorrow, but you do realize if I get elected that I will become a politician and have to start arguing on Larkspur's side that we don't want to lose all those people who get off that shuttle and Google map the nearest restaurant and come up with a Larkspur restaurant. We need those sales taxes too. Uh, but until January 1st, uh, you can guess where my loyalty fly. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin, and good luck tomorrow. Um, is there any other public comment at this time? I see no hands raised, so we can um, move on to business item number three, which is approval of minutes. Um, Teresa, I saw no minutes attached. Do we have any minutes to review or any coming up? Tom, I think John DeRay is still having trouble being getting unmuted. He just held up a sign, so he hasn't been able to comment. Okay, and I wonder if others. Um, Molly, are you with us? Yes, we're, we're getting it right now. I'm good now, thank you. Okay. Good. Thank you, John. And I see Teresa dropped off. Now, Teresa's there, but she's not, she's muted still. Yeah. We fixed. Uh, no, I'll, I'll have all the minutes caught up for us for next meeting. Okay. Sorry Thank about you. that. All right. So we're going to move on to our business items, and we're on item 4A, which is a quarterly sales tax report. Um, I have it and I will, uh, I will present it and try to summarize it and hopefully all of you had a chance to look at it over the weekend because it was published early. Um, rather than having HDL here to present it uh, and we may decide that, that would be a request going forward, I thought I would just preview what I think are the highlights and then if we have any questions we could follow up with them and I, I just don't know if we pay for them hourly and I don't want to use their consultants time if we can um, internalize the reports ourselves. So um, let me share my screen. 
Is my screen visible to everybody? Mm -mm. No. Uh, yes, John's saying yes. It's visible, but we're seeing who's using Chrome. You're seeing who's using Chrome. Yeah, we're we're seeing your personal Chrome file. Okay, let me stop sharing. There you go. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, before I jump in, let me just, I, I mean, I kind of crawled through these slides um, earlier. Here's kind of my conclusion and Julie uh, also offered some input. Um, I would say that as we look at these numbers, um, coming out of the pandemic year of 2020, and, you know, in 2021, we saw a strong recovery and we were reporting as we started getting our arms around these numbers, seeing a, quite a strong recovery for um, Sausalito and even into early 2022. But uh, when you look at our Q2 results and our Q1, so Q4 was somewhat strong, but our Q1 and Q2 results, we're starting to see our growth on a year-over-year -year basis kind of flatten out. And one can say our strong recovery might be getting a bit muted. And anecdotally, um, Julie shares that, you know, we believe that Q3 is also going to be kind of a muted results. And so we had a strong recovery, and now we're kind of seeing it flatten out. Um, and some of the data reflects that, um, but some of it also says there's, you know, points of strength and weaknesses. So we'll, we'll kind of jump in, okay? Um, and it's hard to tell if this is the economy or what's, what's driving this. But first off, when we look at all this, there's lots of sources of revenues to the city. And here's kind of the breakdown. But the ones that I think we can impact are, um, you know, our transactions and sales tax revenues uh, and a portion of the Bradley Burns, the, the 1%, right? So we're really looking at all these things, you know, the revenues coming in, these are the ones that we can drive and impact. Um, and I will go to the next slide. And I, I, there's so much data that I put circles here, not to bias you, but where I want to draw your attention. So if you look at Marin County, and, and let me get the uh, columns up top. This is our 2, 2, 2Q 2022 column. Here's our one year ago, 2021. And this is our percentage growth or decline year over year. And the ones I highlighted for Marin County, because we'll compare this to Sausalito, this is all the counties. Marin County saw a decline in autos and transportation. So that would be uh, car sales. Um, I think it's gas, uh, boat sales, right? And that's kind of relevant to us, boat sales. Restaurants and hotels uh, saw an increase of 16.2%. But Marin County in general saw a 5.8% increase year over year in all of their combined sales tax. 
Okay. Cass, you have your hand up, but you have a question or is that? Uh, yeah, I do. I just wanted to point something out is that this is all sales tax and this report doesn't deal with the TOT, the tenants occupancy tax, which is a significant portion of the tax revenue that goes to the city of Sausalito. So I hope that we keep that in mind and maybe also have reports on that um, so people can understand that importance. Thanks. Yes. And I don't, I think in the past, HL says that they don't have access to TOT tax revenue. I think they just do our sales tax. But um, but if we're prioritizing where we put our efforts, that has to be part of the picture we look at. I agree. I agree. And uh, Brandon and Phipps and I were just talking about the importance of TOT tax today. Uh, and just, you know, the value of a hotel room is just incredible compared to all other tax revenues. Um, but I do think this restaurant and hotels sales tax does give us an indicator at least of, you know, kind of visitors to our community. I think that's one of the data points that we can look at. So scrolling down, and I apologize, but it's hard for you to follow my scroll. Here's the same numbers for Bay Area. If you look at the Bay Area, Bay Area has grown 11.7% year over year. Autos and transportation actually grew in the Bay Area and restaurant hotels nearly 30%. So now we're gonna dive down into Sausalito. Oop. Yeah, here's Sausalito relative to the Marin towns that we look at. So Tiburon, Mill Valley, Marin, San Salvador, you can read through this, right down through Puerto Madera and Ross. Uh, in quarters past, we've been at the top of this list. And um, suddenly, you know, we're down only 3.8% growth on an adjusted basis. And that's, you know, kind of caught me off guard, right? Because we thought we we're having a stronger recovery. Maybe we recovered you know, really, really fast and now we're kind of plateauing out. But um, that's an interesting, this is all sales tax, um, point of sale receipts. Anyone can interrupt me as I'm going through, okay? Now we'll look at in Sausalito. And here's some interesting stats. This shows in Sausalito, if you break it down, our restaurant hotels, still showed 21% growth year over year. What I thought was interesting was our autos and transportation down 30%. And one of the things in Malcolm, you might attest to this, you know, we knew that during the pandemic, yacht sales were kind of through the roof and it was one of our best performers. And now with a softened economy and COVID kind of passed us and people back to work, um, we might be seeing the impact of fewer yacht sales, can that really impacting that line item? I don't know, Malcolm, if you could give any anecdotal information on that. Two words, gas prices. Um, $7.43 a gallon. <laughs> um, that's having a big impact. It's been a slow summer for all the brokerages here in town. And when you say a slow summer, that's going to go into our Q3 results as well. And so, um, you know, that's kind of bringing us down. Even our general consumer goods, which is kind of like our general retail sector is positive, um, but that really, you know, hurt us there. Scrolling down, um, this is basically a line chart of what we just looked at. 
But if you if we go back to you know two q of nineteen, in right here, and here we are at two q of twenty two twenty two, where we've one could argue that we've recovered from the pandemic. Um, kind of in all our numbers, if you go back in time, we're outperforming our 19, 2019 numbers. And 2020 was when we were in the pandemic. So we have we kind of recovered from that. But you know, the question is, had we never had a pandemic, where would we be today if we had you know continual growth year over year? Um, and you can see here I drew a red line of you know one year ago on what probably both sales did now we're seeing the decline. That's having an impact on overall sales tax. And this is the 13 quarter trend. So if you look at 2Q20, that was kind of the low point during the COVID and we've recovered quite well. Um, and we're you know above 2Q19. I found this one very interesting. Um, this is per capita sales. So you're kind of sales to your community size. And I wrote up here, you know, this favors tourist towns, right? Where a lot of the spend is from outside your town. You'll see that, you know, we're down here, number one, but number two is Hillsburg, which does a lot of wine sales and tourist sales. And number three is Carmel. Right, small community, but lots of visitors coming in. And that really says, you know, it shows the importance of tourism to Sausalito because if we just relied on our residents, we don't have the residents that could drive us, right? Because if you look at the per capita for like what down here is, um, who's this down here? I forget these. This is like Sonoma um, and Larkspur, right? Larkspur is all the way down at the bottom, probably. $5,000 per capita. And so, you know, our revenues would be substantially less. We just relied on our locals and it just reflects the importance of visitors. Um, and it's shown here. Um, this is Sausalito compared to Marin, the Bay Area and all of California. How, how much revenue we generate on a per capita basis because we have a lot of visitors to our town. Um, this then is focusing in just on restaurants and hotels. Um, if you look at the revenues that Sausalito generates from restaurant and hotels relative to Mill Valley and Puerto Madera and Marksburg, you are their neighboring, you know, Marin towns. We outperform them. And uh, that one kind of caught me off guard too. I thought, you know, like Mill Valley would have a good contender on, you know, restaurants or Puerto Madera with, you know, their malls and what have you. But uh, we do very well in restaurants and hotels. Tom, I, this is Julie. I, I think, yes, our restaurants and hotels are doing well. I don't think in talking to our restaurant tours, they're not back up to the numbers that they did pre-pandemic. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they've had to cut down their hours because they can't get enough staff to stay open more hours. I think that retail, I think from what I have talked to chamber members is I think our retail is going to be flatter in Q3 than everybody expected. I think everybody expected um, 
spending was going to be going up in Q3 because that's usually our, you know, our heyday time of the year. The hotels are full, but people are not spending ex people have to eat and they have to have some place to stay. But they don't have to buy an extra whatnot to take <coughs> home to Aunt Sally or you know the grandkids or whatever. So I think I think we're going to see a difference in the sales tax from all the smaller shops, not related to food or somewhere to to stay. I think that's where we're going to notice it. I think it's a good assessment, Julie. And uh, you know, one of our strategies, and we'll get to this when we get to the marketing section, has been to you know, try to target um, regional visitors, right? Folks that can drive here. And that was due to COVID, no one was flying. I don't think anyone's flying now because the cost of airfare. If you look at the cost of, you know, travel, um, it's really high. And so I still think that when people want to get away, uh, they're going to look for staycations or nearby vacations, even though the cost of gas is high. Um, but I still, I still think that airfare is just, you know, through the roof and it's really a lot of people doing travel. What we have gained a lot from is the cruise ships. We have a lot of people from the cruise ships that are coming in um, to, to Sausalito. And, uh, and we have noticed an increase in the visitor center of people coming in from the cruise ships because we always ask. Do we do any marketing to the cruise ship companies or to the operators that put together their tours? Not, not that I, not that I know of. I have a, um, I have a list of like the times that they come in, and when they're docking, so that I know that you know we will have extra uh, visitors during that time. Yeah, but as far as marketing, I don't think we do. When I've been on tours, you know, every port of call they have a set of things that you can elect to do. Mm -hmm. That might be something we we'll look into is making sure that. The tour of Sausalito is uh, included. Um, what I thought was important in this chart, or just relevant, is you know we have Measure L on the ballot, which is taking Measure O from half a percent to one and a half percent. And obviously, Measure O will track to our sales tax, which is the green line, the blue line. But if Measure L passes, that blue line will increase by nearly three times. Um, and it becomes a significant source of additional revenues to the city. And I, I certainly hope uh, that Measure L passes. Um, I see uh, Mr. Zapata has his hand up. Oh, you're on mute, Chris. Just wanna make sure we're all clear. Uh, it's not one and a half, it's another half percent. Ah. So effectively doubling, not tripling. That's Thank what Measure L does. It extends it half a percent for eight more years to the current half percent that exists would be 1% total, not one and a half. Thank you for correcting me. So we will know after tomorrow if that, that additional revenues that comes into the city. Um, this is by zone. And um, if anyone's interested, uh, Julie had asked for a map of the zones and, and I do have it. Uh, if anyone has a question, we can put it up or if anyone wants me to share it, we can. But, um, Downtown Central Commercial, you know, saw growth uh, year over year of 36%, roughly 22% of our sales tax revenues. I did want to point out that Marin Ship Inland, which will be a lot of our businesses and the industrial folks, 
um, represents 34% of our total sales tax revenues. Um, didn't grow as much, only 7% on a year-over-year basis, but it still is the largest contributor. And then we're in ship waterfront to Malcolm's comment. Uh, you know, the cost of gas is really hitting our waterfront. That's down 37% year-over-year. Uh, um, but that gives you, you can see on a percentage of total and how each of the zones are doing on a year-over-year -year basis. Mr. Zapata, you still have your hand up. Do you have another comment or? At the end, I'll say something, Chair Riley. Not, I, I don't. I need to lower this hand this time. There okay. Um, I'm not sure which this chart refers to, so I'll, I'll pass on it unless uh, anyone has comments on that. Um, this is, again is a deep dive on Measure O. I didn't have any conclusions from that. Uh, measure O again. Um, this same thing, Measure O is kind of impacted mostly by restaurants and hotels and general consumer goods. Um, when you read uh, on Measure L, when you read things and it says, hey, you know, Measure L, most of it's paid for by visitors to town, not by locals. It's kind of reaffirmed that it's restaurants and hotels, even though we all dine at restaurants, we're, we're going to be paying for Measure L, um, a lot of the general consumer goods, but a lot of visitors are paying the tax associated with that. Whereas you see the other, other groups over here contributing to Measure L. So that's kind of the end of the slides. Um, uh, Chris, you had some comments you want to make, and I can go to any slide if you want to call it out in particular. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, thank you. I I'd go to slide number one. And, and again, to point out what, what has been said um, by many people and myself included is when you look at the uh, effective sales tax that people pay when they come to Sausalito, you can see that 1%, which is the Bradley Burns, and then the district uh, measure O add-on is 1.5% of the 8.5%. That's one thing that I really, really hope that is clear to folks because people assume when they pay for something in Sausalito that Sausalito as a city receives it when in fact it's more the state and other county and other uh, agencies within the county that receive the lion's share of that. So that's really important for people to know. The second thing I would say is to um, uh, Cass Green's comment about uh, the uh, TOT. Uh, you know, as a part of our budgeting process, it's really important that we understand that budgets are projections and their policy uh, decisions made by the city council. And I'm glad to see council member Hoffman's on the calls, the liaison to this group, but they make calls with you know the projections we make on revenues and expenditures and the revenue buckets in Sausalito that are extremely important are obviously sales tax and property tax and district tax, but TOT is significant as is parking. Uh, by way of example, uh, the, the TOT sales tax in Sausalito was budget, budgeted this year at $2.1 million. Uh, the measure O money was budgeted at $1.4 million at half a cent. And then the general 1% was budgeted at $2.8 million in revenue. All of that to say is all of those combined one bucket of revenues that I consider to be uh, volatile. Uh, you're kind of seeing that when we have a pandemic, you know, people don't buy, they don't stay, and they don't visit. Uh, so what happens in Sausalito is that volatility becomes even more obvious. So in good times, it's good. And times of challenge is challenging. 
the other thing that's really important to the city is property taxes. Uh, last uh, council meeting, the city council got a full-on uh, deep dive into the property tax scenario, and, and we're projecting our property tax, which is our stable, to be about $5.2 million this year. So, so all in all, when we look at our budgets, um, you know, we try to use information from uh, our uh, consultant, HDL, to look at our property tax, at our sales tax, as well as our district tax, and then arrive at some type of process. And in that process, you'll see at the beginning of the year, we have a budget adoption, and midway through the year, we have a mid-year review. And typically, people expect that to happen January 1st. Never does. Can't. Uh, because as people report their revenue to the state board of equalization, uh, it takes time for them to analyze it. Then they run it out. They run it to uh, the county and ourselves. And by that time, we're into about 45 days. So by the time we see six months worth of data from 2022, from June or July 1st to December 31st, will be in the first part of March. So if you start looking for uh, budget information as a city, uh, you get hard numbers in March, but you can start to see through some of these trends and projections. Uh, Chair Riley, you made the, the case, you said it, you know, we started out strong, but it's flattening out. So we try to budget in a conservative way to make sure we don't overshoot what it is we think uh, we can spend. So, so we'll do some mid-year uh, look-see at, at, at the numbers with trends but we won't have real numbers on these until you know mid-February and get those to the council and the community in March. So that major budget process is a two-step. It's one projection by city staff based on data we have. And then as we get closer to the budget process and more deeper into it, we have uh, the actual numbers that we get after we get the reporting from the State uh, Board of Equalization, which HDL provides for us. Um, and one of the things that I want to point out is that, you know, you saw the, the charts and the graphs that uh, show the, the, uh, the trends and from 2019 to 2023. And you see that we're almost back up to 2019 pre-pandemic. But one of the things you never do is you can't recover those years that you lost. And in that regard, uh, that created some challenges for the city budget that we had to address with one-time monies uh, in 2021, 22. And 22, 23, which uh, are the two we've adopted with structural deficits, but we're biting into that. Things are getting better. Uh, but again, uh, Sausalito, uh, which is really uh, positioned well for, for tourism and visitors, you know, you can see uh, the data shows that a lot of money comes from that, but the lion's share of your money comes from your property tax, which is quite stable, which is appreciated by people like myself, because then we don't look to see these fluctuations in planning and having to adjust midstream. So with that, um, uh, I'm really um, interested in making sure that the city council uh, sees this information on a regular basis, along with the Economic Development Advisory Committee. Uh, uh, Chair Riley mentioned that it um, costs money for our consultant to come in and make a presentation. And so what my recommendation to this group would be is like it would be to the city council, get an annual presentation at a point in time that's strategic from HDL. So, you know, uh, what we are saying, Chair Riley and myself, can be more finely detailed by the people that actually do the work. So I would offer that uh, to the committee that in the future, you can bring HDL in at a minimum one time a year to do a deep dive and, you know, get what the council gets. Thank you, Chris. Um, and I think we will uh, follow that, right? Um, 
So, uh, and just maybe Cass to put you on the spot. Um, TOT has been, we all know that TOT is a great source of revenue. Um, we're going into our marketing discussion with Kevin Almeida and Scott Thornburg. And a lot of our goal has been to focus on overnight visitors and in the off seasons. Can you give us a sense, Cass, of what you're seeing from occupancy and uh, how you feel about the hotel business and what other things can be done? Well, this year has been uh, phenomenal. Uh, we've The occupancy has just been uh, nothing like we've ever experienced before. It's been very full through the summer. It's starting to uh, dive back now, like it always does uh, this time of year. And I'm sure it'll continue to drop as we go forward. Um, the weekends are still sold out, but, but the weekdays are, are less. Uh, so we've had a fantastic year and I hope it continues into next year. Um, but we're starting to see the, you know, again, the off season uh, impact, you know, as it gets cold and people don't want to come here anymore. Uh, so it'd be, you know, that still needs to be a focus is let's fill up the capacity that we've got in all the hotels because the economic return on that is huge. Yeah, I think we should continue on that strategy of trying to, in the off season, the winter months, find ways to bring visitors here through events and experiences uh, that we can deliver. Okay, uh, before we close out this topic, any questions from uh, committee members? Okay, Molly, at this time on item 4A, I'd like to open up for public comment. Molly, I don't see any hands raised. Do you? I think Peter has his hand raised. Peter Van Meter, yeah, has his hand up. I do see one hand raised. Mr. Peter Van Meter, you're welcome to public comment. Sorry, your slide was on the screen, so I couldn't uh, get to unmute. Uh, yeah, the point about the TOT is something that a lot of us have made for a long point, long period of time as being a uh, environmentally sound way to produce more revenue for the city because there's uh, visitors that are staying for a longer period of time. And I would like to suggest that maybe the EDIAC undertake a project to identify potential hotel development sites in town and maybe do redevelopment or new development uh, within the appropriate zoning and so on, not extending it to other areas that are not currently zoned for hotels. I'm not suggesting that, but to do outreach to those property owners and maybe suggest that the city in fact will be a cooperative partner in facilitating additional hotel rooms in town because that's clearly the big bang for the buck. And I think it can produce uh, good economic returns for. Uh, potential property owners that might be interested in such a thing. So more of a uh, proactive approach to additional hotel rooms in Sausalito. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Um, I think many of us would concur. Um, at this time, I see no other hands raised. So we are going to move on. Well, actually I should see if there's any closing comments from the committee on this topic before we move on. 
Okay, we'll move on to item 4B. I'm sorry, you, Tom, I've got one. Yes, Cass. Uh, I would just, if we could start putting TOT into these slides in some way, I know HDL doesn't handle it, but the city's got the numbers. Um, just so people could see that besides just the sales tax, it would be really great. Okay, um, Mr. Zapata, if there's a way we can get to that information, that'd be helpful to understand our TOT contribution. Um, but I don't want to create more burden right now, but we'll see if uh, there's a way to get that easily. And, and that, that can be done, Chair Riley, and um, it's not, not complicated. I don't know it'll be, it'll be as detailed as what you see, but essentially you can start with our budget where we budgeted $2.1 million in TOT. So that gives you a sense of the magnitude of it in our budget. Uh, it's 10% of our budget, our budgeted revenues. Uh, so contrast it to the, the general sales tax, which is about $2.8, $2.9 million. You can see it's one of the big players along with parking and uh, sales tax. Yeah. Yes, concur. Okay, I see uh, Mr. DeRay with his hand up and then we'll go to council member Sobieski. Mr. DeRay. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, <clears throat> I guess if we're going to try and get a more comprehensive view by including TOT, which is good, then seems like we should consider also including business license tax and unsecured property tax, which can be significant as well, if we want to present a broader picture of, of tax revenue um, for Sausalito from the business community. Just a comment. Okay, thank you. And Mr. Spada, do you off the top of your head know what the BLT contribution is on those dollar amounts? I did not share Riley, um, but I, you know, I think where you can get all that information is during the budget process. We yeah. provide all of that. And so if you tune in to city council and staff work on the budget, you will see all those numbers as part of our revenue makeup and what those are. But if you wanna take a deeper dive, I think we'd have to do some work on that. And I think our interest is, you know, understanding those areas where we can help move the needle, um, not not trying to duplicate the work that staff's doing, right? It's just, you know, what are things we can do to improve TOT? And I know John has ideas on how to improve BLT or find non-compliant pairs. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll try not to duplicate staff's efforts, but leverage the work we have in place. Um, Councilmember Sobieski. Thanks, Chair Riley. Just a quick question. Do we know the, is the use tax broken out? And did I miss it in one of the slides? The non-point of purchase tax we get from the state pool? I do think that was a line item there. Okay, so I just missed it. I'll look more carefully. Thank you. And I'll look for it after the meeting too. And if I find it, I'll send you a specific chart. Uh, John, you have your hand up still. Is there, are you finished commenting? I will assume so. Um, at this time, we'll move on to item 4B, uh, and I welcome Scott Thornburg and Kevin Almeida to give us an update on our social media and marketing campaign. Thanks, um, I won't take long, I'll pass it right to Kevin, um, just to say that we are you know, uh, working to generate business in the off season is exactly what we're trying to do. So that's what Kevin and his team are focused on is bringing in uh, tax dollars and gonna be able to stay longer and spend more money on the off days of the week and off season. So. Um, with that, I'll pass it to Kevin to talk about some of the work they've been doing last month. Hey, 
and um, oh, Molly, Kevin, you're... Kevin. Yeah. Molly, can you unmute Kevin Almeida? Hello, everybody. Thank you. Um, I also need permission to share my screen, please. Are you able to share your screen yet, Kevin? Uh, no. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, now it's worked. Right. Is everyone able to see my screen okay? Yes, we do. All right, so since we didn't have a check-in last month, um, I'll be going over uh, some highlights from the previous two months, so September and October of this year, uh, today's report. So on the PR highlight side, we had um, some traction with Visit California. Just this month, um, the family-friendly fall getaways uh, included the holiday by the bay. Um, we also uh, updated Visit California's destination profile. So if you were to visit uh, South Salido's profile for the public or the press on Visit California, um, that has been modernized with additional features and content and it's just more up to date. Um, we also uh, were featured in Best Life Magazine, this article, US Cities That Will Make You Think You're in Europe, this is a really great um, article in terms of branding the city, um, and it has like 110 million um, monthly uh, viewers on, on the website. Obviously, not everyone who visits the website is going to read this article, so we use a program called Coverage Book, which calculates the actual uh, number of viewers of the article, and that's estimated at about 100,000 people who have read that article. Kevin, can you go into presentation mode so it'll be a little bigger? Sure. I've been told in the past that when I uh, try to do the uh, presentation mode, it um, crops it for some of the people on Zoom. But if everyone can see the full screen, I'll continue like that. Um, and then in terms of individual um, events that we've been promoting, we got 24 placements uh, for the South Leader Center for the Arts, the Art Weekend, uh, 14 placements for Mission Ukraine, 15 for the Glitter and Gold. We had 30 placements for Wednesday Night Live. And today we've had 17 placements for Holiday by the Bay. We expect that obviously to go up quite a lot in the next month and a half. <clears throat> so total, uh, we've had 158 placements uh, since presented in September. And that includes in Marin Infinite Journal, Marin Magazine, Mercury News, Encron 4, uh, and East Bay Times, East Bay Magazine. Um, and then also to the North and um, Sonoma Magazine. Covering um, uh, largely events, um, or the types of articles that would be like things to do this weekend, where to go this weekend. Um, the objective really to just drive urgency and visitation, as you said, Tom, um, with, with regional visitors. Um, the creative side has been specifically focused on uh, content, uh, this kind of, uh, I would say, like uh, collage, uh, video collage content of different videos on social media, um, focusing on restaurant shopping and attractions. So we've been producing uh, three of these Instagram reels uh, per month. Uh, last month, we've also started posting them on uh, TikTok. So we launched a destination Sausalito TikTok, which is, we're not putting a ton of hours into it, but it is just an additional distribution channel. And if you can see the increase in uh, plays over September to October, there's a big bump just from the amount of plays we're getting from that younger uh, TikTok audience. And for people who, I know TikTok has a reputation of being something for children, 
but uh, the demographics are actually shifting and in increasingly um, uh, adults with you know, young children that age demographic is using Tim TikTok on a regular basis as well. Um, and social media posting in September, our theme was maritime culture and industry. Um, we focused on attractions like the marina and seaplane adventures, Captain Kirk uh, and the call of the sea and the Marine Center. Um, the, this was popular, but it was not as popular as the previous month's uh, Hidden Gems, which focused on uh, hiking trails and little off the beaten path things that you could find that, that tended to be a, more of a fit for our social media audience. Um, and then in the month of October, we focused on family fun. Um, this is something I think we've heard from Julia at the chamber before is a lot of people come with children and they want to know what to do with children. And so we are exploring, focusing more on things that feature children this month, including, um, you know, seasonally Fleet Week and the Blue Angels, but also the Bay Area Discovery Museum and some um, posts about Angel Island barbecues. And so having that post there as well. Next month, we will be focusing on holiday by the Bay and in the month of December as well. So when we touch base again uh, in the new year, we will have done two months of holiday by the Bay on social media. Um, creative production, we're continuing um, the, these as uh, same three uh, topics each month, restaurants, shopping, and attractions. Um, they've been doing well. And the nice thing is that um, it allows us to use the city social media to expand the reach of content that the businesses are creating so that the expanded audience we're able to reach outside of the city's followers um, also helps drive awareness and revenue for the businesses that are putting together their own content. Um, and the nice thing is the businesses are the ones putting the effort into creating the content. We're just sharing it. So um, we don't have billable hours for creating original content because the businesses are doing such a great job themselves. Uh, media outreach will be focusing on Holiday by the Bay, uh, including Sacramento, Sonoma, and Central Valley. Uh, so not just in the immediate Bay Area, um, also the upcoming launch of Sausalito Center for the Arts. We're trying to tie everything into SCA a little bit, <laughs> just to keep as much awareness that is coming as possible. Um, and uh, I know there are updates happening at the Record Factory. Um, that are slightly on hold in terms of them wanting us to talk about it. But historically, anytime there's any updates at the Record Factory, that gets press and TV coverage. So um, as we get the specifics about that, we'll want to make sure we're going out with that as well, because that um, concurrently does a good job of uh, branding the city as a home for the arts and, um, for, and culture. Looking at the numbers, Q over Q, one second here. Um, Starting in uh, Earn Media, so this is uh, PR, uh, we've got uh, 60, uh, 60 published posts in the month of October, 195 we had um, from Q3. So Q3, we, we continue to build up in Q3, um, largely because of events and summer events was uh, the strongest uh, quarter we've had to date. Um, and uh, you can kind of see that tracks in terms of the audience as well. This very large audience in Q3 was largely due to um, the 4th of July. There was really terrific coverage, and I would expect us to have um, equally terrific coverage coming up this quarter for the Holiday by the Bay um, events that are that are coming up that we just got details about recently here. Um, on the social media side, excuse me, on the social media side, um, we're seeing kind of a steady increase in followers uh, but more importantly, we've seen a big jump out 
in addition to our followers. Um, so consistently, we have about uh, 2,400 followers across Instagram and Facebook, but our reach is several times higher. So if you you know look at from the previous quarter, our reach was 14,000 uh, out of 2,000 followers, and it was 1,500 out of 400 followers on Facebook. And that's because of just the proactive socializing and outreach to the community that uh, we're doing, in addition to just posting to the uh, existing audience. Um, our engagement rate is terrific. You guys actually have one of the best social engagement rates of, of any of our destination clients um, at 13%, 14%, and that's not counting views. So that's actually a very conservative number. Um, and then the total reach that are not residents of Sausalito. So basically we look at the total number of people we're reaching that are in Sausalito, subtract that from the total, uh, it's over 86%. So this is definitely a visitor audience that we've been reaching with social media. And uh, we look at the increase in hashtag volume. So these are um, hashtags that are on Instagram that specifically and explicitly refer to Sausalito. So nothing that could be constrained as referring to any other destination or business. Um, these hashtags, uh, we started tracking in Q4 of last year. And as you can see, it's been increasing about 10,000, uh, give or take. Again, last quarter was our strongest. We had uh, a 12,000 12, uh, uh, jump in the hashtag volume here. And we did not run uh, paid ads in Q3 because our unpaid reach was doing so well. There was no reason to be buying additional media there. Uh, right. So that is the end of my presentation for now. Open it up to any questions. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, also, um, Don Daglo, I'll put you on the spot. Can you give us a sense of what you're seeing from your site uh, and any trends? Yeah, the <clears throat> what we're seeing, actually, to echo back to one point that was made earlier, was that uh, I've seen for years that tie-in between the Muirwood shuttle and activity in Sausalito. Um, you can just you could see it each time it kicked in, uh, you could see the impact. Uh, the overall pattern, it's interesting, this fall we've been seeing is compared to prior years, it's more of a steady fall off. Typically, if, if I'm, I'm now generalizing roughly here, if you would look at typically somewhere in October, we would still be having great weather. And as locals, we'd be going, hey, we're in some of the best time of the year. But the numbers that I see in terms of traffic would start to drop off a fair amount. This year, that fall off was more gradual rather than uh, having as much of a cliff that happened all at once. So it's a subtle difference. I have no logical explanation for it. Uh, but that's the big difference I've seen between this year and uh, prior years in terms of how the numbers have worked. Thank you, Don. Um, I see Julie has her hand up. Yes. Um, so I just received the report for all the chamber ones. We We are seeing more engagement right now this month because I think people are planning their spring vacations already. So we've seen an increase in like um, visit Sausalito. We just hired a, a social media expert to enhance our Facebook and our Instagram and our TikTok. And we now have a YouTube channel. And I've noticed that we 
we are getting more people that are looking for things to do in Sausalito. And if we look at our website, they're clicking on the hotel links and the restaurant links. So they're starting to plan their vacations, I think, for the springtime. And Julie, that I, would corroborate with the numbers I'm seeing as well. Yeah. Just informally, it, that would be one explanation for what I'm seeing. Yeah. Do, when when will we, um, Scott, or not, um, sorry, Kevin, when will we have information about the destination Sausalito um, visitor traffic for the website? Do, do we? So we we don't uh, manage the destination website. I believe that's done through Timber Media. So Right. Oh, uh, so we don't. Okay. We would, yeah, we would have to request the report from them. Okay. Because that that will tell. That's what I'm seeing is from our website, which is connected to our members, and I can see an increase in looking for hotels, looking for things to do, and looking for restaurants. So, um, hopefully, spring will be good for us. Great. Thank you, Julie. Monica. Um, I was just wondering. Uh, you, you mentioned a lot of the Instagram engagement, Facebook, social media engagement from the visitor sector, and I'm wondering if there's any way you could bifurcate and find out how much might be coming from our nearby neighbors to see if we're really reaching them with our invites and our social media and our marketing about the holiday events and other things, because those folks are close and I think would have uh, an inkling to come here if they knew more about what's happening. So that's just my question. Yeah, yeah. We, can do, we can do a more uh, detailed breakdown of like where the audience is located. That's, that's a pretty straightforward thing to do. Okay. That'd be great. Um, Kevin, it seems like we're marking you an update on Holiday by the Bay. It seems like you have a lot of content for November and December, but we're not meeting until January again. Right. And we'll be in the new year. Do you have any material to work for January and February? Last year we did Romance on the Bay for February. Mm -hmm. um, should we be help thinking of ideas? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, my. My, my expectations, we're, we're typically in pretty regular communication with Monica and Scott. Um, right now, what we're expecting uh, January to be a, a lot of focus, in addition to obviously events or any news about business opening that we would want to talk about, things like that, is the Sausalito Center for the Arts. That's happening in early 2023. So, the, you know, that's obviously a major uh, milestone event as far as the visitor experiences for the city. And we want to make sure that we're giving that its due course, too. Good, and Monica, you might want to think about how we turn that into overnight stays, right? So uh, <laughs> if there's events coming in to get them to fill our hotels. Okay, um, any other questions for Kevin or Scott before we go to public comment? All right, uh, let's go to public comment. And Molly, if you could help me just monitor if there's any of the public raising their hands. Um, when when the screen isn't being shared, I can see if there's any hands up, Chair. Sure, stop sharing my screen. Thank you, Kevin. Okay. I'm not seeing any hands up at this time. Um, if the public does want to uh, make a public comment, just remind you that video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application and you will be called upon when it is your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press star nine. Each speaker will be notified when the time has elapsed. Chair, we, we see no public comments, more no hands up. 
Um, I, I want to make one closing comment as I'm looking at the screens and I see uh, Kevin Carroll uh, still with us. Um, on the mirrored shuttle, because uh, Don Daglow brought it up, to make sure we take some action. Um, Julie, I'd suggest maybe I'll follow up with you and we can see, maybe talk to uh, the city manager on or one of our council member liaisons and how we engage and get to uh, um, advisors. So, sure. Okay, just so we, we have some action from the EDAC. I know you're taking it from the chamber, but uh, if we can throw our support behind it, then uh, I think we'd all agree that keep the shuttle in Sausalito would be good for us. Okay. Um, all right, any other comments? We shall move on to item 4C. Um, and this is uh, by our marketing subcommittee led by Monica. And I know she's got a lot of activity going on. So please, Monica, the floor is yours. Can I, I'm gonna try to share my screen. So can I get permission for that? See if I can do it. Molly, uh, Monica Finnegan, to share a screen, please. Thank can you, you see, can you see? Yes. Okay. So I thought I would pull up the um, calendar that's just being finalized that will be mailed out uh, to residents probably the end of, uh, what is this, the, end, the beginning of next week. Um, and we have a lot of activities and some fun and interesting things to do. The most important one, I think, is the December 1st tree lighting, um, where we will have performing stars from Marin City dancing around the Christmas tree and Till Dawn, which is an acapella group singing uh, a lot of Christmas songs, Santa's Arrival. And as a um, note of some of the interaction with our uh, businesses, the Equator Coffee will serve coffee and treats again. And the tree is donated with thanks to Cass Green and the Inn Above Tide. So that'll happen at the Vigneault de Mar Park. And then throughout the rest of the month, you can see a lot of the things happening. The Gingerbread House Tour, Breakfast with Santa, uh, kickoff party with the house. A lot of the open studios are, are listed because they have a lot of activity going on. What I'm excited about this year is the Marin Symphony Youth Orchestra will be busking around town and they'll have a trio or uh, instruments that'll be playing a couple times during the month. And I'd like to note that I approve that with the support of them putting a bucket out because they're all going to be going to Europe and they're raising money for them to play around uh, the squares <laughs> in Europe. And this is a really, I think, beneficial uh, opportunity for us to partner with them because we're also talking to the symphony about a chamber orchestra kind of event events in the Center for the Arts. On February 9th, I invite all of you to be down there. The can we're opening up Candy Cane Lane, converting Caledonia Street to Candy Cane Lane, and Santa will be there, and a lot of activities, music, and fun. One of the kid events is the Sausalito Books by the Bay, um, and they will have a whole uh, activity with, for the kids, which we really don't have much other than that. On the 10th, um, I don't know if a lot of you saw last year, but C.G. Ware and her crazy sweater team put on a skit. They're going to reprise that skit and do a couple more, and we'll have music by the zany hot clams. October 10th, of course, is the Light of Boat Parade starting at 6.30. Um, Jingle Bell Run. And on the 17th, a Saturday, is the um, Makers Fair. And we have hopefully uh, 18 to 20 local makers. Some really interesting and high-end and fun things will be um, 
shown there this year. So everybody come in and do some Christmas shopping. Cass, Cass uh, did all of her shopping last year there. <laughs> um, one of the other things that we wanted to do was continue to invite Marin City involvement and Florence Williams has a beautiful voice. She's going to join for a Christmas concert on Sunday the 18th with the uh, church choir from Sausalito uh, Presbyterian. And last but not least is a sing-along, holiday sing-along, the Women's Club and the, and the Sausalito Village. And anybody and everybody, I hope, will join because it's just a big, fantastic, fun sing-along. Sing but the funnest, one of the fun things that I think should be noted, and I give credit to Cass Green and EDAC and the city of Sausalito and Chamber, uh, we hope to have the trees along Bridgeway lit up um, sometime in the middle of the month, but definitely I'd like to celebrate that on the 23rd because that's going to be a great contribution to the city. So that's the holiday by the bay. Um, we've been working very closely with uh, CDA and um, finalizing all of the things for the makers so we can do a lot of uh, publicity and social media on that. Um, so are there any questions on that? Okay, stop share. Um, a few other comments on, on the marketing piece and folding in some of the things going on with uh, Sausalito Center for the Arts. We had a soft opening October 14th through the 16th. And I think it's pretty phenomenal that there were 1,200 visitors that came through the building and the venue in those three days. So that showed, I think, quite a bit of um, curiosity, if nothing else. We did sell art. Uh, I would say probably maybe 30 to 35 to 40% of what was exhibited was sold. Tomorrow, this is another little anecdote because you talk about hotel and restaurants. It's the first corporate user that we will be hosting and renting the entire venue to on Tuesday. And that's part of our business plan was Monday and Tuesday we'd be closed and we would target some of the corporate users and some of the um, small tech teams that are meeting and things like that. And so what's filtering out just not only from the meeting in the Center for the Arts, but the Spinnaker is doing the, the catering for breakfast and the appetizers and cocktails. Uh, there'll be parking fees for 40, 40 people. The next event that this group is going to do is scheduled for December 6th. And that's a larger group, about 70 people. They're taking over the Spinnaker. They're having two restaurants um, serve the food for um, the attendees, more parking for 70 people. And they've asked for, and I've introduced them to all of the hotels in the city because some of the folks will be coming from outside the area. So it just shows you what some sort of synergistic response response we could have with some of these kinds of things that we're doing. Um, we have a huge, big, exciting, fun event that we're planning in January. Um, it's, it's not ready for um, full announcement right now, but I will tell you that um, we will see some sort of interesting things from Burning Man artists in and about the Center uh, for the Arts, which will, I think, draw a different crowd of people. And that will be going on mostly in January, which pushed our opening uh, further into February because we thought this was such a great opportunity. So the opening plans for February and planning some of the programming for 2023 is, is on the way. Uh, the next topic is a we have been working with Spinnaker and Yoshi and a couple of others for um, a restaurant week in March. So we're hoping to pull that off because that certainly is a slow time and hopefully we can make that happen. 
And I just want to put a shout out for Wednesday Night Live. Um, we started in October and we last October, a year ago, October, and we finished in November. So we've done like 14 of them. And I think they've all been fun and we've learned a lot along the way. And we'll talk about continuing again in uh, 2023. Um, so that's the marketing side of the fence. If there's any comments. Uh, John Duray has his hand up. Thanks, Tom. Um, Monica, there's a there's an event December not uh, December 9th, Thursday at um, Spalding. It's a they had one before the pandemic, so it's been a few years. But um, it's I guess it's some kind of a, a maker artist uh, event. They're going to have a speaker there, and they're going to have tables for local artists to sell their wares for for the holidays. So. I don't know if it's possible to still get this onto the. Uh, uh, yeah, we haven't printed yet, so I'll check it out. Thank you. It's okay. good. good to and, know. And another question, Monica, uh, what is the day to help set up? So, you know, thank the, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Help decorating. Write this down. Write it on your hand. Write it on your forehead. It's November 28th. The, the tree will get delivered on um, Monday, the 28th. I think that's right. Um, and, and Parks and Rec will take a couple hours to set it up and put the lights on. So decorating with fun and craziness would be uh, around noon, noon to five, because we'd like to get it all done in you know one, one or two days. And then leftover time would be the next day, which would be the 29th of Tuesday, start early around nine and finish up. So, and if anybody wants to come down and help with Candy Cane Lane, we're decorating that on the 30th again, starting around 9.30. So that's what's happening. And the more it's, it's fun, it doesn't take that long. And the results you can see all month and it feels really pretty good to see all of the work that we've completed. Cass has helped, Chris has helped, Julie's helped. There's been a lot of, Tom has helped. So it's really appreciate everybody being involved. Thanks for asking, John. Monica, does does the women club women's club uh, still get involved in decorating? I know years ago they used to do that. They do the the um, fountain and the elephants and things like that, and they take care of a lot of that participation. And we we kind of work together on okay. everything. Yeah. Julie, Monica, what about decorations? Um, how much was able to be saved? from last year for the tree, because I know we were running short. I was <laughs> running back to the office. I know. Stuff. I, um, I, we saved all of yours. <laughs> um, we'll have to see how we are. I think we're okay because um, one, one of the years, Tom bought a bunch of things and whatnot. I haven't purchased any new things. So um, maybe we'll take a look before the 28th and see what our inventory is like. Um, We've saved all the, we have a lot of the ribbon left for Candy Cane Lane. Um, we have all the lights and that sort of thing. Um, Cass, I think, may be working on something with lights. Is that right or not? Did that get wiped out of the budget? Which the, Pat, were you, the you were, yeah, you were looking at packaging, like under the tree? No, 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 that'll be next year. They're really, they're really expensive, but okay. more than anything, they're not available. I mean, they're like sold out across the country. Okay. All right. So that'll be next year. Yeah. Okay. Julie, do you have any extras? Your a lot of your things were damaged, right? 
Yeah. Oh, just the one closet. I might, I, I'll have to see because we okay. have that whole wonderful looking fence next to us that we have to decorate. Yeah. This right. Okay, right. Okay. okay. It's a beautiful fence, Julie. <laughs> okay, any other questions for Monica? All right, this time let's uh, open up for public comment on item 4C. Uh, Molly, if you can help me just see if anyone has their hands raised. Okay, I see no hands raised. So um, I just have one comment. Uh, thank you, Cass, for sponsoring the tree yet again. Uh, that's that, that tree really changes our downtown. It really mm -hmm. brings a, a central focus. So, Happy to do it. Okay, any other comments before we move on to item 4D? All right, we move on to item 4D, which is a business development update, also provided by Monica Finnegan. Sorry. <laughs> uh, let's see. Can I try to scare, share my screen again? Let's see. Uh, okay. You should all have seen this, and this is something that I kind of keep track of periodically. I'm not going to show you the whole thing, um, but this is sort of a, a, a compilation of all of the vacancies that we've been targeting in the downtown area. It doesn't include um, Marine Ship or any of that, but as you all know, there've been challenges with the tenancy and attracting tenants because of COVID and now what everybody is discussing as the recession. And what's happened is that it's created at the time uh, EDAC was formed, which I think if I'm right, was July, 2021, right? So, um, somewhere in there we counted about 16 vacancies. Now we're a little bit up to 20, but I think over the course of the last year or so, there's 11 properties that have been leased or have significant um, activity underway. So we're hoping that there will be some uh, transactions completed. And I think that's important to note because what's happening is the transactions aren't necessarily visual because they're either in planning or they're under construction. So you don't necessarily notice a change in the downtown um, uh, population. But there are um, all of the Bridgeway, as you know, all the 690 Bridgeway Hotel Sausalito spaces are leased and in action. Um, there is a serious negotiation going underway for a small restaurant at 533 Bridgeway. Finally, after 10 months of planning, the um, Boba Tea, it's called Pink, uh, Pink Tea, is got their uh, permit this week. So we'll hope to see some activity there at 650 Bridgeway. Um, 675 Bridgeway was a vacated Chase Bank, and that has been occupied by uh, the Princess Jewelry that is a little bit down the street. There's another serious uh, transaction that I'm working on uh, with a lot of the folks involved. Um, it's possible at 699 Bridgeway, which would be great. That's the space that has been papered up for a couple of years. Um, you all may remember that 719 Bridgeway, we have a new owner now, the property was sold. So there's about 2,200 square feet on the ground floor there. And that new owner uh, is talking about dividing into small spaces for uh, simpler subleasing. Uh, of course, the 750 Bridgeway building 
has been activated with the Center for the Arts activities. And um, talk about Princess Street in a minute, but um, the 304 Caledonia, which was the Sparrow Creek School, had also been sold. And there's a landscape architect uh, interested, purchased it and is interested in doing a sort of a bistro coffee, wine and community garden there. Um, uh, and, and at, sorry, uh, the Bridgeway uh, space, the Trident had leased uh, the upper Andines to uh, an Asian fusion restaurant. They're under construction and I believe they hope to open like second or third quarter, depending on how things move along. So that's activity, but you're not seeing occupancy. Uh, some, of, some of those spaces did have a challenging uh, time getting through planning. And I think that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to meeting with Brandon and talking to him in more detail about the experiences that some of the landlords or the tenants have had and maybe finding some uh, ways to uh, remedy that. As you know, the staffing has been, there's been a lot of turnover. It's hard to pinpoint why, and it doesn't matter. It's just been a turnover situation. And I think we can do a lot to help uh, improve some customer service and maybe take a second look at what EDAC first originated was that list of permitting issues, 35 points that we thought could be uh, reviewed and improved upon. So we're hoping to have that. A couple of the solutions that I have suggested, and I'd like to talk to Brendan about this, and this is based on my experience with talking with all of these landlords and owners and whatnot, is that if we put one person in charge of handling all the vacant spaces that are on this list, this list is, is eight pages long. If there was one person in planning that was in charge of managing this, they could, or somebody else that in planning, they could manage getting these things done. Because if you look at the chart, we did an estimate, very, very, very um, simple estimate, not, you know, conservative, that if all of these spaces were leased, the, the first year tax revenue would be about a million dollars, probably way more than that. And over a five-year lease period, we'd be looking at a five-year, maybe $5 million worth of sales tax. Of course, all of that doesn't come to Sausalito, but nevertheless, it's a revenue generating and an activated kind of situation. So if we had somebody focusing on this, rather than a request for a permit going to the bottom of the pile and working its way up, I think that would be really helpful. Um, I think we also need to uh, continue to meet with landlords. This particular community is pretty much, most of the property is owned by families, not by institutions. And so the families have a different kind of perspective on how they lease and how they reach out and what kind of investment they can make and how long they want the lease and things like that. So I think it's it's important to embrace the landlords and try to um, have them understand the importance of getting these spaces occupied. Um, we've talked a lot on softening the formula retail language. And I think that's something that we can all do as we reach out to all of the brokers. We do need to build a stronger relationship with brokers and contractors. There's a lot of contractors who've said they'll not work in Sausalito again. So I think that those things need to be remedied and I'm counting on Brendan to do that. <laughs> so we can help and be a partner with him and, and uh, make, care, make sure all of that kind of, kind of happens. Um, so that's 
the summary on the business development aspects and what's going on. Monica, thank you for maintaining this list. And I did share with Brandon today that you have this list and that uh, if we can keep him current with it, then he can help us prioritize these projects because these are revenue generating projects, right? And so we want to get these vacancies filled as quickly as right. possible. You, you know, Tom, you asked me if I may say real quickly, you, is this the right time you want to talk about the um, uh, vacancy tax? Sure, yes. Okay, so I would just like to offer my personal opinion on that and we can do more re research on it. But I, I would ask that we not institute a vacancy tax until we can get our turnaround and planning put into place because it's another punitive step that the landlords are going to be viewed and it's not a customer or user-friendly um, perspective. There are a couple of places that maybe we could say, hey, make a better, you know, make a better effort on doing something. And I've had a conversation with one of those landlords about hiring a broker and, and really digging in and making something happen. But I just, that's just my personal feeling. So uh, I leave it at that. Okay, I see Julie has her hand up. Monica, can you go back to 22 El Portal? On your list, 22, there, um, okay, so 12 El Portal. Um, the date, the 1-11-22, there, does, is that the date they started? No, I'm just, that's an update date. That's, okay. that's, that's just the date I put conf, uh, information together. Okay. So, yeah. okay, so uh, in speaking with the contractor today, um, they, because they have had to go back to planning again, um, they feel they are not going to be open until April, possibly May. And that's because they've had, this is the second time they've gone back to planning. So they're waiting for the list of things they have to complete. So that's an April open on that one. So they're saying, they're saying that the cultivar restaurant would be open in April 22. That's 23. 23. Okay. Thank April, you. That's, April 23, April, May or of 23 because of, yeah, all, of, of, all, the, of the delays. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I mean, that could have been avoided anyway. We don't need to yeah. get into that, but yeah. anyway, yeah. Actually, Monica, it's, it's important because we have Brandon on the line here, but Brandon, this is a very important new restaurant in our downtown um, that we do want open for our next summer season, right? And we want it open in April. So they have a month of getting up to speed and getting ready for uh, a busy part of our season. It can really change the dynamics of our downtown. Um, so that project is 12 El Portal. Um, John Dre. Thanks, Tom. Um, regarding the vacancy tax, um, I have a little different viewpoint on it. I don't necessarily disagree with Monica, um, but I, I think there are certain spaces where, you know, there's been a vacancy for many months and sometimes years. And so I think perhaps when we do implement this, if we do implement it, we should uh, think about a, a timeline. You know, if, if uh, a, a, a space has been vacant for X amount of months, then perhaps it should be considered 
And as I've said before, I, I think the, the easiest way to uh, reduce your vacancy rate is lower your lease rate. Um, and so um, it would obviously be helpful to the city to get this uh, um, occupied. So that's it. Thank you. I just want to mention on Princess Street, um, that has been the bone in everybody's uh, whatever. And um, there's some challenges there because there have been some mistakes made and there's easement challenges and whatnot. And, and those, that's what I want to talk to Brandon about to see how we can go in and maybe have some conversations with the owner about trying to find a way to solve all of that. So those 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 two vacancies should not stay vacant. They should be out and active, but they're fighting through an easement challenge. So anyway. There's Caledonia Street as well. And I know you didn't really cover that, but that's another issue altogether. Hey, thank you, John. Thank you, Monica. Any other questions? Okay, on the business development update, um, let's open up for public comment. Molly, if you'd help me just monitor for public comment. I see none, Chair Riley. Thank you very much. We will move on to item 4.E, which is a street lighting update from Ms. Cass Green. Cass. And Cass will need to share her screen. Um, Molly, if you can give Cass Green presentation mode. Yep, thank you, Chair Riley. Can you guys see my screen? Yes. And I'll go into presentation. I think I will. There we go. Um, so I'm just going to give you an update of yeah. where we're the lighting. Can you guys see okay? Yes. yes. Okay, great. Okay, thanks. So why light? I've shown this slide before, but um, it you know creates a warm and inviting space. It increases visits to stores and restaurants during the winter months. It increases the amount of time visitors and residents spend in areas, and it increases security. So what's going to be lit? This is what we've gotten to. We've actually made a huge amount of progress in the last uh, month or so. And I have to give a big uh, thanks to Light Switch, which is the Sausalito uh, company, light designing company that I've been working with. And they, they are donating half of their fees, which is great. Um, and they have really helped to kind of refine the design. And then also to Chris Zabata, who is just such a great supporter of this and has really been uh, helping things move through the city well. And then uh, also to Kevin McGowan, who's helping us uh, get this going. So the whole plan is to light the, um, the trees that are either in a white circle or in a ye or yellow shaded circle. The, I worked with Sausalito Beautiful to determine uh, which trees we should light. And the ones that have the little red, red circle on them are either too ill or they're too young to get lights, you know, some of them are just little guys. And so, but, you know, we'll be lighting, um, I, I think it's around 20, maybe 23 trees. It kind of depends on the funding. Uh, what's gonna be lit? Uh, again, the number of trees will depend on the funding. Uh, would have loved to have uh, lit up to uplight the palms in Vina Del Mar, but at this point there's not enough funding unless some, you know, angels come in with a lot of money. Um, and we'd like to, you know, hopefully we would extend this to Caledonia next year if the funds can be raised. So how will the trees be lit? Uh, this shows that the lights are going to be in the 
lower part of the canopy. This is to keep the light out of the apartments up above, but more importantly, to eliminate the sidewalk, because that's what we want to do is, you know, make it inviting. So if the lights are way up in the canopy and these trees have thick canopies, you're not going to get that effect. So we want to have them uh, lower down to illuminate the sidewalk. Um, what kind of lights? It's They're going to be LED, red, green, blue, so we can change the colors by season if we want. And on the right-hand side in the graphic, you could just see all the kind of different color possibilities. I mean, it's infinite number of, <laughs> of colors that you can get when you do that. Um, each tree will have per tree controllers. So, so that's what controls the color of the lights um, and the brightness of the lights. Uh, so at this point, you know, we I wanted you know to have a central controller that was maybe working on the top of the the uh, center for the arts, but that's way that's out, way outside of our budget at this point. So what we'll do is light switch will program the each tree, but they'll do it you know with a with a a, a card, and that they can just put it in each tree. So we we won't be able to change the light the colors that often because it's a big deal. You got to change every tree. Um, but uh, we should, you know, again, with raising more money, we should be able to move to a, um, a you know, a, a centralized controller that could really be exciting. Uh, the budget is around 40000 That's higher than I thought before, but I'm working with LightSwitch. That's where we are. That is not from them. I mean, they're, they're hardly charging anything, but it's more the cost of lights, the decision to go to red, green, blue. Um, but again, uh, lighting is incredibly scalable. So the more funding, uh, the more area that can be lit. Um, I think we're in good shape uh, on funding. And I'll just review that right now. There's $10,000 from the city, which is carryover EDAC funds from last year. There's $2,200 from the chamber. We've upped, Interbeptide's upped our contribution to $5,000. Uh, we've got commitments of $2,000 each uh, from the Sausalito Ferry Company Against People Play from Poggio from the Barrel House, uh, $1,000 from Gene Hiller. And we're also out requesting to others. Julie and I did another round in October, visiting all the different businesses, asking for their contribution. We've uh, created uh, four levels of contribution, $100 to $500, then $500 to $1,000, then $1,000 to $2,000, and then above uh, $2,000. So feeling good about the funding, I, I actually sent the final or the first uh, set of letters out to people today, you know, telling them, you remember you promised to do this. And I've already gotten um, uh, also $2,000 from Pete Petri. Uh, so I've already gotten people writing back and saying, yep, we're gonna write a check to the city right now. The city's the fiscal sponsor. Uh, so the checks go to the city and the bills will go to the city. Um, so I, I, you know, really, this has been a hard slug. Um, but, uh, you know, today it really felt uh, uh, like it was, it was really coming together. And um, I really can't thank Chris enough for his support, which has been outstanding. And everything, you know, it's really coming together. Our, we're hoping right now uh, we're supposed to get the proposal today from the installer. And we're hoping for December 8th. Um, I still think that might be a little ambitious, but you know, if that's what they can do, I, I would love that to have them installed um, by the 8th. So we're looking good for the, for the holiday season, for sure. And I think they're going to just be beautiful.
So any any questions at all? I'll stop sharing my screen. I'll start with a wow, Cass. Um, thank you. This wouldn't happen without you pushing on it and following through. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, Mr. Zapata, thank you for your support. Um, Julie, I know you helped in reaching out to all the merchants. So thank oh, I you should have you. mentioned Julie. I'm sorry. I mean, she's yeah, been with me the Julie, whole way on everything. Julie's been on it. Uh, but see Kevin's involvement, McGowan. Um, this will have a great impact downtown. So uh, thank you. I think it'll be, I think it'll be great. <laughs> so we'll see. Any questions? Okay. Um, on item uh, Chris four has raised his hand. Oh, Mr. Zapata. Yeah, great. Yeah, uh, thank you for giving uh, Cass the kudos that she's deserved. And thank you to all the business people and certainly our staff, but our city council who uh, didn't blink at this, supported it 100%. Um, they deserve a lot of credit for suggesting that this would be a meaningful use of that carryover money. So council member Hoffman and council member Sobieski, as well as the rest of the council deserve credit because they are unanimous in their support for this going forward. Thank you, Monica. If residents or others wanted to give any funding, where should they do that and how could they do that? That's a really good question, Monica. And we've talked about, Julie suggested this about starting a GoFundMe site. And uh, I think that's probably a really good idea. What I'd like to do is finish with, you know, getting everything tied up with the funders who have committed. I mean, that doesn't mean getting their checks in hand. I just want to make sure we've hit them all. And then uh, I, I'm sure with Julie's help, I can look into a GoFundMe site for residents and maybe we can advertise that. Um, so that's- I've, I've used GoFundMe several times. I'm happy to set it up. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm counting on you. <laughs> hey Cass, a quick question. How is electricity paid for? It's a city, but it's yeah. LED. So it's not too much. Right. I recall back when uh, the Bay Bridge was lit up, you could sponsor actually a light. Um, you know, maybe we want to get to the point where we have residents can sponsor a tree. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Uh, Ms. Gallagher. I was just thinking that at all these holiday activities, maybe there could be some kind of donation box or something that could be set up. And you never know. You get a few dollars put in there, just like they do for the fireworks um, you know, so a good um, idea. Put a put a nice sign and a don't <laughs> somebody take responsibility for bringing the box in. But um, anyway, it's just an idea. I thought you could capture all these people during the holiday activities, and a lot of residents come to those things. So it's a great idea. Okay, um, on item 4E, let's open up for public comment. No public comments, Chair Riley. All right, any closing comments from members? Thank you, we're gonna move on to item 4F, which is uh, our diversification subcommittee. See if uh, Mr. DeRay has any update for us. Thanks, Tom. Um, I think what I'm gonna do is uh, talk a little bit about um, this idea of Marinship as a blue economy innovation zone, because I think people are gonna start hearing more about this. It's an initiative that our mayor 
is um, going to be spearheading and has been working on for a long time. There's actually language in the general plan about an in innovation zone uh, in the Marin ship. Um, and like I said, the mayor has been working on it since I think 2019, even before she was um, on the city council. And um, the Working Waterfront Coalition has also been um, working with her. And the idea is to bring in new businesses into our waterfront and industrial area, as well as expand some of the existing maritime services business. Related to that, I think um, I wanted to mention a meeting that we had uh, regarding the Schoonmacher project. And the Schoonmacher project, I'm sure you, you all mostly know about this, uh, they're Proposal is to build three industrial buildings where the uh, dry uh, storage yard is. And um, they wanted uh, some ideas and, and help uh, to move that uh, forward a little bit. And so there was a meeting between um, the mayor, uh, Tom was there, city manager, the harbor master from Schoonmacher and the project architect. Um, and the idea was you know how, how this could, could be moved forward and i think what we what we came up with um and what we sort of encourage them to do is to focus on creating affordable industrial spaces um so that we could kind of execute on this um bringing in these new clean technology companies um and you know sausalito's industrial zone already is priced at more than double anywhere else in marin county so focusing on creating these affordable uh, zones, uh, these affordable projects, whether it's with prefab better metal buildings or fewer bells and whistles or, or whatever. But I think they got the message. And um, uh, Tom, I don't know if you wanted to add to that at all. Um, well, I would just share, um, if anyone has, you don't know what the blue economy is. I didn't quite know what blue economy was and I did a search on it. And it's a globally recognized term about uh, preserving our oceans um, from contamination and sea level rise and climate change. And uh, for Sausalito to focus on the blue economy right here in our marine ship and track businesses that are looking to have electrification on boats or make uh, these ocean liners more efficient, um, generate power from waves. There's so many things that are happening that uh, I've just, I think it's a great vision the mayor has. And I think EDAC um, is, uh, can really help uh, drive some of this forward. And when you think about business development, recruiting some of these innovative businesses across the globe that are looking for places to do their R&D or manufacturing. Right. Thank you, John. Any questions for John? All right, we need to open up for public comment on item 4F. Excuse me, no public comments, Chair Riley. Thank you, Molly. Um, and thank you, John. Um, moving on to item 4G, and just watching our time, uh, we have 10 minutes left and we have a number of things to cover. I do wanna revisit um, our officers and our kind of subcommittees going forward. Um, our officers have been in place uh, well over a year and normal thing is to rotate our officers. But what I'd like to recommend is, you know, we will have a new city council in place soon. And Mr. Zapata as our city manager, uh, will be working with the city council on all the committees and how they're structured. Um, and so I think before we make any changes, we're not gonna have any new members until then. 
Um, but we'll wait until we get that direction uh, from the new council and from the city manager, uh, which will probably be early in the new year, uh, at which time I think we revisit our officers and how we're structured, and of course, our members. Um, and so I think that's uh, something I'd like to get have a discussion and make sure everyone is comfortable with that. Sounds great. Okay. Anyone disagree with that? I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, all right. Now, uh, on our subcommittees, currently our active subcommittees are as follows. Um, Scott Thornburg is uh, leading our efforts around social media uh, and the digital marketing. Um, and Monica kind of runs our marketing events um, and putting on the events uh, that we are attracting folks to down to our town, of which Scott and team are helping market. Um, John and a number of folks have been focused on the Marine ship. And then we've been working on, uh, Monica's been leading our business development efforts. Um, I see at this point, no need to change any of those subcommittees. Um, what I would like to ask every member is I ask each of you to volunteer for at least one of those subcommittees and help those team members um, because it is a lot of work. And if we can just get some more folks helping, um, I think would be great. Rather than you know going through asking everyone here, um, I just ask each of you to reach out to John if you would like to work on the friendship and you know John's uh, working with the mayor on the blue economy and attracting some of these businesses and going after grants. There's a lot of great work to go on there in the friendship. Um, uh, Monica's leading business development, but tracking those you know vacant spaces, helping attract them, maybe working on our formula retail language and working with Brandon could really help attract businesses. Um, and then on the social media, um, you know, just helping Scott and Monica and, and Don, I know you've been involved there, but uh, these are all areas that we could use some help. So please reach out to each of those point people um, and they have, you know, regular calls so we can help advance things. So any questions or comments on that plan? Okay, at this time, I'd like to open up for public comment on item 4G which is election of officers or keeping our current officers until we get further direction from city council and our subcommittees going forward. Any public comment, Molly? Chair Riley, no request to speak. Thank you. Okay, we'll move on to item five. Um, anything Riley. we, um, actually I'm gonna go to our liaisons just to get updates and I'll start with Julie from the chamber. Uh, Julie, any updates for us? I do. Um, this Thursday is our um, November mixer, which is being hosted by um, Studio 333 in Tivoli. And then November 25th, we'll start the Shop Local Support Small Business campaign. We did this last year where everybody who shopped in Sausalito could bring their receipt into the visitor center and drop it in for a drawing, no matter whether they bought a ice cream or a new boat, whatever they bought in Sausalito, they can be put into the drawing and we're gonna be giving away 
um, gift certificates uh, ranging from $25 up to $100. And that's just, it runs through the 25th of November, which is, you know, Black Friday, after day after Thanksgiving, everybody's supposed to be out shopping. So we want them to shop in Sausalito through December 31st. So the winners of those gift certificates will be drawn on January 2nd. Um, and then the other thing that we have is on December 3rd is the kickoff to the gingerbread house. And we are going to have that at the visitor center from three in the afternoon till five. We're gonna have arts and crafts for kids to do. We're gonna have the Marin Girls Choir singing. And then we're also going to have um, nothing but butt cakes. And I know that Tom is very familiar with that business is going to be supplying uh, the treats for the gingerbread kickoff. So we hope that everybody will attend those and shop local. Make sure that you do all your shopping local. And if you if you buy it at the um, fair the, that Monica's putting on, if you get a receipt from them, bring those over too and drop them in anytime you shop in Sausalito. And Julie, if anyone buys a yacht, you should ear tag that and give them a little bit of an advantage over <laughs> I have to be Switzerland. <laughs> um, why don't we go to uh, our council members, uh, Councilmember Sobieski, anything for us? I think you've covered it all, um, team. Uh, the pertinent issue was about leadership. I know we do have some appointment, reappointments to make in this issue to get back to you all on, but that's going to be handled over the next couple of city council meetings. So right now, just kudos to everyone for all the incredible progress, really great data, amazing initiatives across the board. Really excited for the downtown lights. Thank you for everyone's service. Thank you for your support, Ian. Uh, Councilmember Hoffman, I don't know if you're still with us. Suspect not, she's going to get some more votes. Um, we'll finish up with our city manager, uh, Mr. Zapata, you've been very active, but anything else you'd like to cover with us? Nothing from uh, Chris. Okay. Um, Need to ask for public comment on the liaison updates. So uh, I do see we have uh, Kevin Carroll's hand up. So uh, Molly, can you help unmute Kevin Carroll? Thank you. I just had a question about a bit of business inactivity and that's uh, SCOMA's being closed for repairs for the next couple of weeks. And it looks like some very heavy duty lumber out there and I'm wondering if this is a sea level rise issue that maybe uh, other people should be aware of too or if we know what the cause of that was. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. I am not familiar with the project. I don't know if anyone else is. Oh, I can actually, I can probably enlighten Kevin. Okay. <laughs> go ahead, Teresa. I was going to go ahead, go for it. Um, they're doing some uh, roof work as well as some kitchen repairs like hoods and stoves and ovens and things like that. So they should be hopefully open in another week or two. But yeah, just general repairs like that. Thank you, Teresa. Um, I don't see any other public comment. Uh, so we can go to the final comments uh, and I'll turn to Monica. Does Monica want to talk? Um, this is just a final uh, comment. Uh, with Wednesday Night Live, 
we have been alternating between the Center for the Arts and uh, Caledonia Street. And the restaurant owner of the Arawan Thai has graciously, every time we've had an event there and have musicians, she's offered uh, the ability for us to plug in and made everything happen. So I just wanted to nominate them for uh, a um, EDAC economic, uh, community economic impact award. Okay, I would be very supportive of that. That is something we can approve here if we so decide. Um, anyone have any comments or any other awards that they would like to recognize? Monica, can you frame that as a motion? Um, I move to, for the Economic uh, economic Development Advisory Committee to approve an EDAC impact award for the owners of the Erewhon restaurant on Caledonia Street for their support of Wednesday night live events. I'll second that motion. Thank you. Okay. I will go through a quick uh, roll call. Um, John Duray. Scott Thornburg. No, Scott's still with us, I don't think so. Chris Gallagher. Yes. Malcolm Morgan. Yes, approved. Monica Finnegan. Yes. Don Daglo. We lost Don. Teresa Ancona. Yes. Cass Green. Yes. Tom Riley. Yes. Okay, Monica, I think we can make that happen. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, any other, I don't see any other public comments. So now we just have to set our future uh, date. Um, we are meeting every two months. Um, I think this is working out well. We seem to continue making progress. So our next meeting will skip December. And I rec I propose January 9th as our next meeting uh, because the Monday before that is January 2nd, which a lot of people will be traveling. So is everyone comfortable with January 9th from 3 to 5 p.m.? Are there any requests for any specific agenda items? Okay. Um, it is 5.01 p.m. And uh, I think we are prepared to uh, conclude this meeting. My apologies for going one minute over, but uh, thank you all for a great call and uh, look forward to seeing you at all of our upcoming events, Holiday by the Bay. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving and go Bears. Oh, one last thing. If any of you win the lottery tonight, please donate money to lay up the whole town, okay? Yes, and don't forget to vote tomorrow. And don't forget to vote if you haven't voted already. Everyone, have a wonderful holiday season. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.